that, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Romans 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 13. You know, just then it came to my mind um, as I was quoting those uh, books of the Bible that I believe today they are honoring Libby Johnson over at First Baptist Church in Athens. Uh, Libby Johnson, uh, maybe she'll see this on Facebook. I don't know, but she had such an impact on so many young people. She taught Bible in the county schools and also in the city schools over in Athens. And she has taught at First Baptist Athens for 60 years. And I believe she's retiring. I don't remember how old she is. But she had such an impact on so very many people. I remember her singing those books of the Bible uh, and then uh, the Old Testament and New Testament. I remember her giving us Bible notebooks. I remember having time out of class to have Bible. And friends, that wasn't that long. Well, it's been a few years. <laughs> I, I'm not that old, though. But it, it has been mm, 40 years, maybe. <laughs> 40 or 35 or 40, but I just want to say uh, thanks to Libby Johnson. That just came to me just now, so uh, I believe it, it just tells you again where our society is at, that we used to have a time where we set aside in school to have Bible class, and now we can't do it. Anyway, Romans 13, Romans chapter 13. Listen here real quick. Um, I, I made a list of things that do not go together. And I want you to listen and tell me if I was wrong in any of these things that don't go together. A hair dryer and a bathtub. That doesn't go together. Vegetable flavoring, like a bouillon cube, and ice cream. Mm, that doesn't go together. Here, what about this one? Sumo wrestling and ballet. And I know you're chuckling because you got that same mental picture I did, didn't you? Texting and driving. Doesn't go together. Laziness and parenting. That doesn't go together. Children and caffeine. Mm. What? <laughs> I, know young, I know one young man, he doesn't need Mountain Dew, that's for sure. Bakery and a Weight Watcher's office. They don't go together. Now, I know all of you can think of other things that don't go together. What got me thinking about these non-complementary things? Well, if you recall, we're doing some questions. Tonight, I want to continue with these questions. The first week, we talked about why would a loving God send people to hell. Second week, which was last week, we talked about am I my brother's keeper. Tonight, oh, this is the one you've been waiting on. Do politics and religion mix? Does politics and religion mix? Now, that's the reason I came up with this list of non-complementary things. Does politics and religion go in that non-complementary area, or do they come together? People fall on both sides of this issue. Some are very involved in politics as Christians, and some Christians skirt the issue. They try to stay away from politics and political statements or issues. So which way is it? Well, I'm going to tell you tonight that you're going to see, I hope that you see, that the Bible tells us that, yes, politics and religion do mix because we are called to be a Christian in every arena of life. So if, if we're called to be a Christian in every arena, then if, 
if you're going to be a, a, a citizen, then you're going to be involved in politics because God tells us to be involved in every area to place a Christian influence on every arena of life. The Bible says yes. I'm going to read a couple of different scriptures before we get to this primary one. Jot these down if you like. Titus 3.1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. For first, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people. Okay? But look at the next verse. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Politics and religion, they do mix. What about 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17? 1 Peter 2, 17 says, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Doesn't end there, though. Honor the emperor. Why did God have that put in the Bible? That just means I've got to honor every politician. Because it says to. So I've got to listen to this. So I think we have to admit, our instruction manual, our instruction manual for life, the Bible, God tells us, and he gives us several scriptures, there's many more, that tells us that politics and religion do mix. We are to submit to our earthly rulers, obeying the laws of the land. We are to pray for our earthly leaders, even if, uh-oh, listen, even if they're from another political party that we don't affiliate with. Got to pray for them. We are to show respect for our leaders no matter where they stand on the issues. We still have to be respectful. As Christians, we've got to be. So don't miss the underlying reason that, we, that politics and religion do miss. That they, I mean, they do uh, coincide and go together because that's in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Be subject for the Lord's sake. That's 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Be subject for the Lord's sake for, to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise to those who do good. God tells us that for the Lord's sake, and those sent by him that we must be subject to the political being's powers. Now, here in Romans chapter 13, this scripture that we're going to read. Romans 13, beginning with verse number 1. Romans 13, verse number 1. Follow along. Let every person... Wait a minute, does that include me? What's every mean? Oh, thank you. Okay. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Who's the governing authorities? That be the president, Congress, all the way down, mayor, uh, city council, all the way down, anyone that's in governing authority. Okay, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority, look at this, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Boy, the Bible doesn't cut no corners, does it? The second verse. Therefore, uh-oh, here, here's the answer. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists 
what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection. Let me read that, verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the reading of it. I pray tonight that it would not return into you void, that we would hear and see and glean what you want us to see, hear and glean. And we thank you for your precious, holy, and inspired word. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul is saying, in a nutshell, for you to be a good kingdom citizen. What's that? That's a person who's going to heaven. For you to be a good kingdom citizen, then we first have got to also be a good civil citizen. For us to be able to promote Christ above all, then we have got to also live such a life that would exemplify Christ in everything, every arena of life. All the points this evening will come from the word respect, okay? Bottom line, every point I make is, is coming from respect. Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. First thing is this. We've got to respect the government because authority is derived authority. What does that mean? We've got to respect the government. We've got to subject ourselves to the government because the government's authority comes from God. Now, in Daniel 2.21, it says he changes times and seasons, he removes kings, and he sets up kings. Now, I want you to know, friends, that every person that has had any political office or power has been allowed or placed there by God. Do you remember? Do you remember the story or when Jesus was being tried there, getting ready to go to his crucifixion? And you remember old Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was just giving him down the road, going around and around, and just going, just giving Jesus, trying to come around, end around, then go to Herod, and then back to Pilate. They just were doing everything they could to trap Jesus. And do you remember Pilate was, was working so hard on Jesus, and Jesus said this. Uh, this is in John 19. Now, John 19, verse 10. Pilate said to him, talking to Jesus, you will not speak to me. You remember Jesus was quiet. You won't speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? You remember, you see that I? I have authority. I have authority to release you. I have authority to crucify you. Listen to what Jesus said. Verse 11, Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Amen.
No one has intrinsic authority. All authority has been derived from above. All authority is given or permitted by God. Verse 2 of our scripture in verse in chapter 13 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And all those who resist are going to incur judgment. Friends, I know some of you say, Well, I don't like the person in office. Well, listen to this. I'm sure there's been times in history where the people have not liked the person in office. But listen to these examples. God used the Egyptian government to save the Jews when the drought came. God used cruel Pharaoh in Romans 9, 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed. God raised up old Pharaoh so that his name would be proclaimed. You remember Cyrus the Persian to bring the Jews back from Jerusalem, and I mean back to Jerusalem from Babylon? Thus says the Lord, his anointed to Cyrus, to his anointed Cyrus. That's in Isaiah 45. You see, God brings people to power to bring his will to light. The Roman soldiers were used to crucify my Lord and my Savior. Had he not been crucified, had he not died on that cross, you and I would have no hope. We have salvation because of that. God used those Roman soldiers. And then think about this. You've heard this before and you know about it. The Roman government was so huge at the time. But the Roman government, if you look at their history, you'll see that when Rome was in power, they brought lasting world peace for a period. They also had so much power, they made these roads that were much easier to travel. And they, they got around. So think about it. Peace is happening and the roads are, are, have been fixed and made better and made more roads. What did that happen when the church, what, what caused, or what occurred when the church came on the scene? That allowed the gospel to spread quicker and easier. See, our sovereign God, he has all authority and he uses everything to bring his plan to light and to do his will. We got to also recognize, see, we see here that we got to respect the government because all authority is derived from God. He gives all authority. Secondly, we've also got to see that the government is God's instrument to preserve order. We need the government. We need laws. A just government will reward and encourage righteous moral behavior from its citizens, and a just government will also bring discipline and retribution from those who break the laws. We need the government to preserve order. If we're left to ourselves, we'll become just like that last verse in Judges. Do you remember it? The last verse in Judges says, In those days there's no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We're about there now, even with our government. Sad, isn't it? See, government is one way that God protects us from ourselves. Also, thirdly, government should be respected by being involved. Here's where it might hit some of us. I don't know. How can we apply our religious 
convictions in politics. The first thing, if you are of legal age, vote. Vote whoever. I have tried my best not to tell you who you need to vote for as pastor because that's, I can tell you from, uh, from biblical standards how to vote, but I'm not going to tell you who. See, friends, vote. Vote. But here's what you got to do. Vote your Christian conscience. You have got to first see how these candidates line up and see where they stand from a Christian perspective. Secondly, attend some town meetings. I've not attended as many as I did at one time. I sort of got away from that for a period, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but attend town meetings. And here's the thing. Listen close. If you have something to say, say it respectfully. You know the town meeting I'm referring to a couple of years ago, but I tried my best to be respectful. And that is what you've got to do. Speak your conscience, but be respectful in doing it. Write your congressman. Let them know and ask them to pass just laws. Sign petitions. And if the Spirit leads you, join in some marches and, and, and do some legal demonstrations. There is nothing wrong with that as long as you are following the law and doing it legally. That's wonderful. And then actually serve in government. We are blessed to have church members that serve in our local government and others. Thank you to them. We need to let them know we thank them and appreciate them. And when you are called to serve in government, when God calls you, do it. Do it. Don't hold back. Let God place you in office or not. That is what we've got to do, be usable by him and be a part of politics. Leaders need to be leaders with integrity. I'm telling you, I agree with you, and I don't care which president or which political party you want to talk about. There's been leaders without integrity in office. We have got to get people with integrity. If you listen to what Moses' father-in-law told him, he gave him some instruction in Exodus 18, verse 21. He said, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens. Friends, bottom line, study the issues when it comes time to vote. Study the issues and vote your values. Vote your values with Christian integrity. In the book, History of the United States, Noah Webster, old guy from many years ago, said this. This is a quote from the History of the United States, Noah Webster. When you become entitled to exercise the right of voting for public office, let it be impressed on your mind that God commands you to choose for rulers just men who will rule in the fear of God. If the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the government will soon be corrupted. Laws will be made not for the public good so much as for selfish or local purposes 
corrupt or incompetent men will be appointed to execute the laws, the public revenues will be squandered on unworthy men, and the rights of the citizens will be violated or disregarded. Boy, he spoke prophecy, didn't he there, brother? Get informed. Pray and vote. Be salt and light. We're called to be salt and light, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. So I call you to be salt and light. As Christians, when it comes time to get involved in politics, be the salt that God wants. I, I even go so far, be a Daniel. You remember Daniel? Daniel stood firm. He stood true. And King Darius said, you remember, he, he stayed true. They told him to, to bow down, and he didn't, and they threw him in what? The lion's den? Daniel in the lion's den? But listen to what King Darius said next morning. I make a decree. This is Daniel 6. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people all are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Be a Daniel and see what happens. People say, wow, God is with that dude. With that gal, with that young lady, with that man, I, I want to worship him. I want to look who that guy is. Who is this God that be fear and tremble before the God of Daniel? For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall not end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. What a testimony. Isn't that good? Let's me and you be Daniel where people see what God has done. And then you remember the scripture we just read about paying taxes. That means just if you owe something, pay it. That's what God's word is saying. We need to be a Christian influence and in where we are not squabbling over not paying and trying to cheat every chance we get. We need to do everything we can to pay what is due and do it the right way as Christians because that affects our Christian influence. Fourthly, finally, listen. Government respect cannot conflict with what? with us doing God's will. What I mean by that? Sometimes government doesn't have to be obeyed. What I mean by that? Romans 13.1 is talking about being subject or submit. But that verse does not say anything about always obeying. Two points. Two exceptions to being submissive to the government. Laws, if there's laws out there or there's ever laws made that command us to do things that God forbids, then you need to obey God's law first. If there's ever a command or a decree from any government official that is contradictory to God's law, do God's law first. You remember, they tried to slow down the, the growth of the, the Hebrew race back in Exodus, and the king told the midwives, kill all those Hebrew boys. Let the girls go, but kill all those Hebrew boys. We don't want Hebrews multiplying. And in Exodus 1.17, the midwives, they feared God, and they did not do as the king said because they knew that was wrong. 
So they didn't follow the, the, the law because that was the wrong thing to do according to God. And God, in verse 20 of Exodus chapter 1, he held back and he was kind to those midwives because they had taken a stand against the government. Don't obey law that is contradictory to what God tells us to do. If Don't obey a command that God forbids. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were told to get in that, I mean, they were told to bow down, and they didn't. They were told to do all these, uh, uh, they were told to be obedient to the king, and they were not. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fiery furnace. And what happened? The fiery furnace ended up having four people in it. Jesus was in there with them and took care of them. And when, he, when they came out, what did the king say? Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is Daniel chapter 3. Who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no god other who is able to rescue in this way. What a testimony! Just because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had disobeyed the law because they saw that it was contradictory to what God had told them to do. Never obey a law or a command that God has told you he forbids. Secondly, which is just the opposite of that, laws should never forbid us to do things that God commands us to do. Two times in Acts it's recorded that Peter disobeyed the government. You remember they were telling him, Peter, the apostle Peter, Peter, quit preaching. Peter, quit telling them about Jesus. Peter, you've got to quit this. They told him twice and he wouldn't quit. Because you know why he wouldn't quit? Why do you think he wouldn't quit? He had it reverberating in his mind. Go therefore and teach and preach. And it just it was Jesus that had told him as, they, as he was getting ready to ascend. And he couldn't get it out of his mind. And he said, I've got to obey Jesus. Now, friends, that's what you and me have got to be about, too. We've got to stay true to what Jesus has told us to do. We've got to stay true to obeying what he tells us before what the world tells us. Peter and the apostles in Acts 5, 29, they said, But we must obey God rather than men. Friends, that is how politics and religion do go hand in hand. Respect authority because all authority is derived from God. God uses the government to preserve order. Get involved in the government. If God's leading you, get involved. That's wonderful and thank those that are involved. And then the government must never conflict with God's will, God's plan, God's laws in the Bible. pause for dramatic effect <laughs> but here seriously with all seriousness friends what if we really did get serious you've heard me preach this before but what if what if we seriously got serious what if God's people 
which are called by his name, truly humbled themselves and started seeking his face and turning from our wicked ways. What if? Not only would we turn Etowah, Tennessee upside down, we'd turn the state and the country upside down. God would, not us. You want to turn your school upside down? That's the way to do it. Be true to him. Be true to him. You see, I said it a few weeks ago, we love to complain. We love to look at the glass half full, don't we? But we should look at it. No, we look at it half empty. Which way is it? <laughs> we look at it the wrong way anyway. We need to look at the glass half full instead of the glass half empty. We need to start seeing what God has done. We are beginning, or we have begun, our 101st year. Is that not a praiseworthy statement? A hundred and one years. Wow. What God has done. Look around. What God has done. What God has done. He's so amazing. He's so true. But we can't rest. And always stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Sometimes we got to step out of the boat. Step out and get out there, get out of the box. We give old Peter a hard time, but you know something? He got out of the boat, didn't he? Old Peter, he, he doesn't have faith because he's sunken down in the water. Well, friends, I don't see anybody else that got out of the boat. He had enough faith to step out there with Jesus. Now, he got a little bit anxious when he got out there and saw the water, but we've got to get out of our boats. And from a political slash Christian realm, that's what we got to do. My, with all candor and honesty, I'll just tell you right now, the president's not the one that I was originally wanting. So there you have it. And I'm sure there's been times in every one of your lives where the president's not been who you wanted. But what are we called to do? We're called to support him. We're called to pray for him. We're called to listen and we're called to obey. So let's be the Christians and be the salt and light we need to be. And listen to this. How good is salt until you put it on the food? So how good are we to be the salt if we don't sprinkle around on the society. We've got to get out there and allow ourselves to be out there. Be in the world but not of the world instead of letting the world come in and be of us. So, what are we going to do? Time of invitation, time of response is this. You need to pray. You need to ask God to, to have his way. You need to become a Christian. We got some people joining us by way of Facebook Live and the radio. We want them to know the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. 
We want you to know in this room, the only way to salvation is through the one and only Jesus Christ. Admitting your sin, believing that Jesus died on the cross, rose again. He's in heaven preparing a way for you, preparing a place for you. And then confess him as your Lord. Say, I just want to be a Christian. I, I, I can't fix myself. You're right, you can't fix yourself, but God can. God wants to fix you. God wants to take care of you. And you've got to go come to him admitting your sin, believing that he died, rose again, and is in heaven. Confess your sins to him, and you've got to say, I don't want to keep on trucking down this road that I'm on going straight to hell. I want to turn around and go straight to heaven. I want to go the other way. I want to get away from the sin that I've been committing. That's what we've got to do. We've all got to. As a, as a Christian, you're here, you're listening, you know that you need to recommit yourself. Maybe you need to be more involved in support of politics and your Christianity. Maybe you just need to pray for something else. Whatever your need is, tonight is your chance to respond to him. And I pray you won't leave this place until you do what God wants you to do. Let's pray, okay? Father God, thank you for this time we've had. And we thank you for the every person here gathered by way of radio, internet connection, whatever. And I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint this time of response, invitation, that people would respond the way you want them to, and that we would just do what is in accordance with your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.